You know, at the start of a new year, we like to focus on vision and purpose and what we as individuals and as a church can be doing in the year ahead in our lives. It's very interesting that all of the main heroes in the Bible were just ordinary people like you and me. And we all have the potential to be greatly used by God, just as they were. It's God's power, not our power. And so we don't have to be exceptionally gifted to be used by God. But a common factor of all these people that God did use was that they had great faith. All of these people trusted that God could do mighty things through them. And often, though, God makes people wait until his promises are fulfilled in their lives. And during that period of time, he takes us and he trains us and he refines us. Look at the example of Abraham and Sarah. God promised them that they would have a child. But it wasn't until Sarah was 100 years of age that that child was born. But throughout that whole period of time, they're thinking, Hey God, you made me this promise. When is this promise going to happen? And remember how David was anointed to be the next king of Israel when he was a little boy. But it wasn't until he turned 30 and he'd raced around the wilderness avoiding Saul the king. And eventually, all those years later, he was crowned as king of Israel. And so today I want to look at the life of Moses. And uh, I just want to summarize the story of Moses to you before I give you some fresh teaching today. And hopefully I'm going to tell you some things that you haven't heard before. That when it comes to studying the Bible, there's a lot of cross-references within the Bible, plus there's historians like Josephus that give additional information that is handy to know and to understand. So most of you know that Joseph was a Hebrew young man who was taken to Egypt where he was a slave. But then he was a very wise young man and he got promoted by the pharaoh, the ruler, the king of Egypt, to be prime minister of Egypt. And he had to administer all the food resources during a time of famine in Egypt. But you know, that famine was so bad that all of the Jewish people had to come to Israel to, survive, uh, to Egypt to survive. And it tells in, um, in Genesis how that Jacob, who was Joseph's father, and his brothers all came to Egypt to get food. Now, all of those Hebrew Israelite people that went to Egypt for food ended up staying in Egypt for the next 400 years. And they were slaves to the Egyptian people. So we might say, isn't it amazing that Joseph went to Egypt to become prime minister? But in actual fact, his whole country men and women had to go to Egypt as well because they were desperate for food. They ate the food that he collected up. 
but they became the slaves to those Egyptian people. And it was the Jewish people that ended up building a lot of those pyramids through slave labour. But then, the new pharaoh... So, there was a pharaoh when David was prime minister. And then there was another pharaoh that replaced that pharaoh. And then the pharaoh, the pharaoh or the king after that didn't have any memory of Joseph. So Joseph was a big, important guy who was Jewish and he influenced the country. But two pharaohs on, there was a pharaoh that had forgotten about all that Joseph had done in the land at that time. And that new pharaoh, he was worried about how many Israelites were in Egypt. Sure, they were slaves, but he was worried that they, there could be a rebellion and that they could rise up and they could take control. And so he passed a law to restrict the birth of new Israelites. And his law was that all new baby boys had to be thrown and killed in the river Nile. So he was going to restrict the population by getting all of the newly born Boys. Now Moses' father was a man called Amran, and he was the grandson of Joseph's brother Levi. And Josephus, the Jewish historian, he wrote that Amran, Moses' father, was a godly man who loved Israel. And Amran prayed that God would raise up someone to rescue the Jewish people from slavery. And then God gave Amram a dream, a dream that he would have a son and that that son would be hidden from Pharaoh and would survive and that this son would be brought up in a surprising way to deliver the Israelite people from slavery. So, Moses' father was a man of great faith. And I wonder if we as parents pass our own faith on to our children, whether faith is something that is caught through our lives and through the culture that we create in our families. Because Moses was a man of faith. Let's read about Moses in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 to 26. It says, By faith, Moses' fathers hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw that he wasn't just an ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's decree. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the pleasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. So Moses' parents saw that God had a sovereign purpose for their baby son. And so when Moses was born, his parents saw that he was a, 
a fine man and he had been promised by God. And so they hid him from Pharaoh. They put him in a little basket amongst the bulrushes for three months. Well, they hid him for three months, but then after three months, they put him in this basket in bulrushes at the side of the Nile River. And, his, and Moses' sister, older sister Miriam, looked from a distance just to check how this little baby in his basket was getting on. But then one day, Pharaoh's daughter, all right, the king of Egypt's daughter, went down to the Nile River to bathe. And Moses started to cry. And she heard the sound of this baby, and she found this baby. And she felt sorry for him. And then Miriam, Moses' sister, ran up to her and said, Would it be possible for me to find a nurse who can look after this baby for you? And the princess, and the princess said, Yes, you can. And so Miriam went off and got her own mother, Moses' Moses's mother, to come and to look after the baby Moses. So here she was, she was being paid to look after her own son. And then as Moses got older, he was the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. And for the time that um, Moses' parents were looking after him, they would have lived out their faith in front of him. And they would have told him about the prophecy concerning his life. He'd have heard about the dream and how that he was to be the saviour of the people. But at that time, most of the Israelites were in a very bad state spiritually. And this is described in Ezekiel chapter 20 verses 6 to 8. It says, On that day I swore to them that I would bring them out of Egypt into a land that I had searched out for them. A land flowing with milk and honey, the most beautiful of all the lands. And I said to them, each of you, get rid of the vile Im images you have set before your eyes and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me and would not listen to me. They did not get rid of the vile I images they had set their eyes upon. Nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. So I said, I would pour out my anger on them and spend my anger against them in Egypt. But there were also some good Israelites, God-fearing Israelites, like Moses and his parents who followed the true God. And so Moses' parents would have been aware of that prophecy. And another prophecy in Genesis chapter 15, verses 14 to 16, where, where God said, I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. God saying, I'm going to punish Egypt. And afterward, they will come out of Egypt with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. God's talking to Moses here. And then it says, in the fourth generation, no, sorry, this is to Jacob, um, Moses' grandfather, great-grandfather. In the fourth generation, 
your descendants will come back here. Now, it's really interesting because sometimes there is an until in the Bible. It's basically saying something will not happen until something else happens. Like the Jews went into captivity in Babylon and they were told they would be there for 70 years. They weren't going to leave until the 70 years were up. And here the Jews were to be slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They weren't going to be released until those 400 years were up. And so here's Moses' family. They're insignificant Jews. Yet God chose them. And God can, cho- can choose and has chosen each one of us. And he wants a personal relationship with us. If we seek him, he will make himself known to us. We can have a trust in God, but to trust God, we also have to trust his word, what he says in the Bible. And so God had blessed and multiplied the Israelites, even though they were slaves, because of his promise to Abraham. And even though Pharaoh planned to solve this problem by killing all the male babies, Pharaoh ended up paying for the board and education of Moses, the man he wanted to kill the most. And 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 28 says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. God does things his way. You may not have done very well at school. You may have not been a success in life But God uses people like that. Because God cannot use use proud people. And God exalts the humble. And so if we we take what we've got and we give it to the Lord, he will use it and he will bless others through our lives. You know, often we try hard to succeed and to be popular. We try to make ourselves look good. And sometimes God may have to humble us. He wants us to look to him for validation and approval, not to other people. And so that 400-year period that the Jews were going to be slaves in Egypt was coming to an end. And Moses was part of that prophesied fourth generation that would leave Egypt for the new land of Canaan. Now, it's interesting that Moses' adopted mother, the Egyptian princess, was the rightful heir to the Egyptian throne. She was the daughter of of the pharaoh. But you could only become a pharaoh if you were a male. And so she, because her parents only had one daughter and no sons. She was the heir. 
And so when that pharaoh died, Moses had the opportunity to be the pharaoh of Egypt. But he turned it down. And then his mother married her half-brother, and he became the pharaoh. But he was only the pharaoh for five years before he got sick and died. And then Moses had another opportunity at age 25 to be the pharaoh of Egypt. But he turned that down. And then his mother married another half-brother. And this half-brother was an evil man. And he saw Moses as a threat and disliked Moses. Now, isn't it amazing that if we were planning the story and we were going to do things what we thought was the best way, we would say, well, surely, God, you've got to make Moses Pharaoh. Imagine all the influence he could have if he was the king of Egypt. He could help the Jews. He could help the world. But God's ways are not always our ways. And before and while Moses was in the palace, he received the best possible education. Stephen tells about it in Acts chapter 7. He says, When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. They were training him to be the next pharaoh of Egypt. Moses had everything any young person could desire in that Egyptian palace. He had the best possible tutors, servants, the very best education in science and military training. He was also indoctrinated in the religion of the Egyptian gods. But the prayers of his parents protected him from harm. And so God controlled the events and circumstances according to his predetermined plan. All this training of Moses would eventually be useful when it was dedicated to God. Also, the Apostle Paul had the best possible training possible. Everything we learn in life is utilized when we place our lives fully into God's hand. And the historian Josephus stated that Moses also became a mighty military leader. And so, after his mother married a second time, and this new pharaoh didn't like Moses, Moses realized that he was in great danger, especially when his adopted mother died as well. Moses was on a mission to fulfill his God-given dream. And God gives each one of us dreams. And if he gives us a dream, he also provides us with what we need to accomplish those dreams. And so Moses gave up the safety and comfort of the palace because of this dream that God had put on his heart. He gave up the fame, the position of leader, of the most powerful country in the world. He believed that he was to be the saviour and deliverer of the Israelite people. And in Exodus 2 and Acts 7, it tells how Moses was upset at the mistreatment of his own people. 
Moses ended up killing an Egyptian man who was beating up his slave. And then he hid the body. He thought that the Israelites would realize that he was on their side and that God was going to use him to rescue them. But the next day, two Israelites were fighting. And Moses intervened to stop them from fighting. And they turned and they said to Moses, Are you going to kill us in the same way that you killed that Egyptian yesterday? And so suddenly, Moses realized that he didn't have the support and respect of his own people. And that they actually regarded him as just another Egyptian. And so Moses was in a time of crisis. What should he do? He wasn't wanted in Egypt by the Egyptians and his own people hadn't accepted him. He was in a crisis. So he ran away. It's the sort of thing that we would do in that situation. Let's get out of here. And most of us would call it failure. And so Moses ended up in another country, a foreign country, and he was there. So he ended up in this foreign country for 40 years. He got married and he had two sons. Now at that point, he would have definitely thought that his dream was over. That God had forgotten about him. But you know, God often puts us through a wilderness experience. We want to do things our way. But God wants us to be in that place of submission where we listen to him and we do things his way. Now Moses probably thought, gosh God, you know, I've done everything you wanted me to do. How come I'm out here? How discouraging it must have been for Moses to be an outcast, to be a refugee in a strange country. Have you ever felt that God's given you a special project, something really important to do, but when you tried to do it, everything seemed to go wrong, and God just didn't seem to be helping you in any way? God had made known his way to Moses, but Moses didn't understand God's way. And so Moses' disappointment in life was actually Moses' appointment with God. He knew what his destiny was, but he had to depend on God who determined his destiny. And so sometimes God puts us through a wilderness experience, through the desert school of theology. Because he wants to teach us his ways. As we submit to his teaching and his direction, our faith grows in a new way. All the people of faith in the Bible went through this desert school of theology. We can accomplish very little for the kingdom of God in our own strength. When we find ourselves in the desert, when you find yourselves in the desert, don't blame God or get angry with him. But surrender yourself fully to him. Press into him and ask for his direction. Allow him to lead you and to comfort you. Learn to live in a moment-by-moment sensitivity to the Holy Spirit.
Our awareness of God determines how we will respond to him at such times. Okay, so here he is. He's out there in the wilderness. But suddenly, as we saw in our children's talk, everything changed. And we'll talk about that next week. But let's, let's pray. Lord, this journey called life that we're on so often doesn't go the way that we expect. Sometimes, Lord, we think that we're on the cutting edge of what you're doing, but um, we've gone off on our own way. Sometimes we're wanting to get glory and honour for ourselves rather than give it to you. Lord, help us to learn from the place of Moses, from that desert school of theology, that, Lord, there is a place where we have to die to ourselves and embrace you and live for you, hear your voice, obey you, and serve you. And Lord, I just pray for this church, for us as individuals and as a church community this year. Lord, that we can do things your way. That Lord, if we're pushing things in a direction where you don't want us to go, if, we're, if we've got vision that doesn't fit in with your plans for us, Lord, show us your way, that we can walk in your way. Help us as individuals to realize that we all have a special part in your plan, that you love us and that you can use us. Lord, in spite of our mistakes and failings in the past, Lord, give ourselves afresh to you this morning. We say, take us, use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.